Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast, where we dive in deep to all things business, wellness, creativity, and activism for artists and entrepreneurs. We talk with impactful, female-driven companies and founders for an inside look at the entrepreneurial experience, where you'll come away with tangible steps to elevate your business. Are you ready? I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, founder of Girl Gang Craft, artist and designer and marketing obsessed. We're here to learn together how to expand our revenue, implement new organizational techniques, and cultivate best business practices as we work towards creating a life doing what we love. Let's get started. Hey, creatives. I'm super excited today because we have a dear friend of mine on the podcast. She is an amazing yoga teacher, and we used to work together. So excited to talk all things yoga, which super translates to, you know, anyone in the service industry of any sort, anyone who deals with mental health and serving humans in any capacity. So really excited to dive in with Keisha. But um, first of all, I want to talk about Level Up Academy. So it's happening so soon. The class starts October 5th. So if you don't know what Level Up Academy is yet, if you haven't heard of it yet, go to girlgangcraft.com slash level up. Um, I've talked about it on our feed, on your emails. But anyways, super excited for Level Up. And I just wanted to take a moment today to talk about why I'm doing this. So Level Up is a six-week course for creatives and artists and makers and entrepreneurs and yes, healers, right? Service-based businesses. And we're going to just like dive in deep with each other. I created Level Up because I saw that people wanted community right now. That's, I think, the most important aspect, right? Coronavirus has really put a damper, if you will, in our communication. And yes, we've created virtual spaces online and we've created these panels and lots of people have had virtual craft fairs and all sorts of things, but I feel like it hasn't broken into the surface. I feel like we can get deeper with each other. And I personally so miss meeting with other creatives and talking about things that, the things that are hard, period, right? Like things like our organizational skills and, you know, how this person's dealing with shipping and how this person's sales are and really diving in to talking about what's going on for everyone. So we actually know what's up, right? Because Instagram doesn't really tell us what's up with everyone on the real real. So this is a chance to connect with each other. So we're going to have, you know, space and time to talk in person via Zoom within these classes. And so our classes meet Mondays, starting October 5th at 5.30 to 7 p.m. Plus, we're going to have the Facebook group. So this is a private level up Facebook group. So you can all like really lean on each other. And, you know, you could ask people for advice on your new rebrand or does this elevator pitch sound good? Or I'm really feeling like stuck with like the Wix shipping situation. Who has any insight? This is a place where you can really connect. And I think we're going to be able to get to know each other in the six-week space. I know we're going to be able to get to know each other. So honestly, I loved having the summer school classes this summer, three classes. So we sort of got to get to know each other, people who took those three classes. But this is going to be so much deeper because people are committing for the six weeks. You are committing for the six weeks to dive into your brand and to dive into community. And I think that's so potent right now. And this is going to be right in time before the holidays. So we can talk about, you know, holiday launch things. 
Um, we do have a syllabus and that's up on the website. So we're going to be talking about like brand story, elevator pitch, things like email marketing, social media. And we're going to talk about like showing up. How do we show up for an audience? How does that translate to revenue? How does that translate to longevity in the business? Plus things like organizational skills and mental health. How are we all doing as business owners, period? And then adding this extra layer of uncertainty and hardship and despair for some of us. Like, How do we get past that as a human, as an entrepreneur, and you know, the answer is maybe we don't, you know, we take each day, day by day, finding what we can do to move the needle forward. So this is all about like efficiency and productivity while being gentle with ourselves. So if you want to sort of dive into those concepts with each other um, and dive into those concepts with me, this is the way to do it. Right again, smack before, you know, all of the holiday shenanigans, a really good time as we sort of move into winter to buckle down and take care of ourselves and like have sort of a bird's eye view on our business. How can we improve? Where can we sacrifice? How can we move forward and how we can continue to move forward together and inspire each other? Because I honestly believe when we're together, we can do big things. So that interests you. Grogancraft.com slash level up. I am available for any questions regarding level up. Absolutely. Send me an email. Hello at grogancraft.com. And I really can't wait. Really can't wait. So that starts October 5th. So the time of this podcast, you just have a few extra few more days to sign up. So go ahead and sign up. The last day to sign up is October 4th at midnight. So go ahead and sign up before that. I can't wait. Love you. Hello. We are so excited to have Keisha Courtney on the podcast today. So Keisha is a friend of mine. We used to teach together at Left Coast Power Yoga here in Oakland, and she is an amazing human. So Keisha Courtney is a yoga teacher, a communications professional, an Emmy-winning journalist, and the founder of The Driven Yogi, a site that creates continuing education for yoga teachers to become safer, more effective, and inclusive instructors. She firmly believes that being a yoga teacher is like any other profession. It takes perseverance, drive, and a thirst for knowledge to be successful and stand out from the rest. On top of running her company, she works in the education sector at a Bay Area nonprofit. Hey, Keisha, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Phoebe. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for being here. So, Keisha, you've done it all. You've competed in gymnastics and pole dancing and received an Emmy. Yes, a real one. And now you are a yoga teacher, have a full-time marketing and communications job, and run The Driven Yogi. Tell us how you do it all. No, but really telling us through your history a bit. How did you get started in this? Yeah. So when you lay it all, all down like that, yes, it has been quite the journey and I've lived some many different lives. So I was a competitive gymnast from the time I was young until I was probably 12 years old. On top of that, I also did competitive power tumbling until I was 18. So I've been an athlete my entire life. And those athletic abilities were able to transfer very well into pole dancing. And I found pole dancing as a way to express myself. I have not always been one who is able to express myself through words, but I'm definitely able to do that through physical movement. And I think that's also one of the reasons that brought me to yoga. I was a TV news journalist, which is, that's how I won an Emmy. 
And that is a very, very stressful career. And the other reason I found yoga was because of that career. I was seeing a lot of brutal things happen. I had to report on stories of like murder, mass destruction, and it was really starting to affect me in a really profound way. And I'd heard some great things about yoga. I tried it once and yoga was my saving grace when I was in that career. And then, you know, the rest is history. I went through yoga teacher training and realized that there was a gap in yoga teacher trainings and wanted to fill it. And that's how I started the Driven Yogi. Amazing. So tell us more about Driven Yogi. What is it and how did you get the idea to actually, you know, act on this idea? Yeah. So the Driven Yogi has been through some many iterations and more iterations have come because of COVID. So after I finished my yoga teacher training back in 2007, I felt really unprepared to teach. And being that I had an athletic background and a huge knowledge of my own body awareness, I knew that I was not prepared to teach people who might not have had that same body awareness. And I did not want to bring harm to people. No yoga teacher should want to bring harm to people. But I think for me, it resonated in a more profound way because I knew what harm could be done when people didn't know how to properly engage muscles to keep themselves safe. So in my teacher training, I asked our trainers, is there something that yoga teachers can do to help them become more effective teachers? And they're like, oh, no, you just have to teach. And me being the type A person I am and wanting to like have all the knowledge I can before I actually do something, and especially in yoga, try something on people's bodies, I was like, oh, that answer doesn't really suffice for me. So one of my friends named Courtney Bass, actually in the same yoga teacher training said, well, you should start something. And I was like, well, why not? Why shouldn't I be the person to start that? So the Driven Yogi originally started out to fill the gaps for 200-hour yoga teachers who had just finished their training to help them get gain more confidence to teach. And as I started doing user surveys, as I started building the brand, I realized that this wasn't a problem just for new yoga teachers. It's a problem for all yoga teachers that they have to go several different places to find trainings in like niche areas that they want to learn in. But even when they do, it's kind of one and done. They pay this training, they have that knowledge, and then it's done. So I wanted to create a platform that had continuing education from teachers from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life, all different experiences, all different identities, where teachers would be able to learn from them so that they can bring that knowledge back to their students. So what we are is a continuing education platform where you can sign up for classes in a variety of areas and actually get this training from these teachers. So you can become a safer, more effective teacher and also an inclusive teacher. We know now with a lot of things that we are seeing with the Black Lives Matter movement that people are being a lot more vocal about their experience in the wellness space. And this gives teachers an opportunity to learn more to be inclusive teachers, to learn more so that they're not perpetuating this feeling that certain groups of people haven't felt welcome in spaces. And that's what our platform is eventually going to do. We are still at our infancy. But the big idea is to bring those types of trainings all in one place so that the Driven Yogi is your go-to place for continuing education. I love this so much, Keisha, and you already know that, but I think there absolutely is this missing entity in the yoga teaching world. Teachers are not prepared to teach after 200 hours, and they're not prepared to teach all walks of life. And I mean, not to mention, like, 
inclusiveness and diversity, but like also alignment. Like people, even teachers and students who have been practicing for years, alignment is different on different humans. And I just don't think there's enough emphasis on some of these ideas and people are getting hurt. You know, I got hurt. And so I just think it's so important that you are helping these teachers get more educated and have more information because to be the best teacher you can be, you need to continue educating yourself and gather all the information. Absolutely. And that's one of our first courses was to echo what you just said. Alignment is so huge in yoga. And I think people think it's just, oh, make sure your knee is over your ankle. When in fact, alignment is so much more than that. It's engaging certain muscles to keep your entire body safe. And there's a huge gap there for everybody. And that was our first training for people to become safer teachers, to actually learn anatomy and alignment, how it relates to yoga and in different bodies. So you can actually keep all your students safe and you're not teaching to like one sort of body. Totally. And I just think there's such an emphasis on vinyasa yoga right now. And like a chaturanga is really hard and also really hurtful to yourself if you don't do it right. And if, especially if you're doing it over and over again, like in Ashtanga, there's something like, I don't know, 50 or 60 vinyasas. And even if you're an experienced practitioner, like I was, you know, I still hurt myself by doing 50 or 60 vinyasas every day, you know? So I think, yeah, absolutely. This alignment thing is, I'm so passionate about it too. And actually it's one of the reasons why I left the yoga community because I wasn't able to be with my students every day, right? They would be with other teachers and other teachers would be teaching them different things than I would, which is great. And there's there's some greatness to that and everyone's going to bring their own thing to teaching. But I had more of an emphasis on alignment than some other teachers. So, you know, students wouldn't necessarily continue that hard alignment mindset, if you will, throughout all of their classes. And that's where they're going to get hurt. Agree. Agree. Agree 100%. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you're doing this, as you already know. But yes. (laughs) So yeah. So how do you do all this and have a day job? Tell us about that. It's really difficult. I am somebody who, when I started this business, that I knew I did not want to go the venture funding route. So instead, we'd be a bootstrap company. And what that means for me is that my money for my full-time job goes like right back into my business. And back to your question, it's very tiring. I am tired all the time. I work nine to five, Monday through Friday for my full-time job. And then sometimes I'm able to go on a little run and maybe get some yoga in, and then I'm right back to work. And I'm exhausted, but before I became an entrepreneur, I didn't realize what good exhausted was. Sometimes it would be for my full-time job. I was just exhausted, but Being an entrepreneur, I'm able to like use all of my talents that I have cultivated through my years of working in a professional space to bring the Driven Yogi to life. And that really energizes me and gives me a true purpose. I love that. And actually, that's so funny because I just sort of remembered when I first started like yoga teaching, like I was really drained after the first, you know, first few classes that I taught. And then I finally sort of got into my rhythm and I got energized by it. I don't know why I'm connecting that right now, but I think that's so real that when you're doing something you're passionate about that you can create energy from it. So I think that's beautiful. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Backtrack a little bit. Can you tell us about your Emmy? Because I just think that's a really cool accomplishment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was a TV news journalist for four years and I worked in a lot in Oklahoma, small, small town, and Bakersfield, California, which is uh, another small town in the Central Valley. 
This was back in 2010. And the Emmy Award we won was for our weekend winter storm broadcast. So it was definitely a team effort of photographers, reporters, who was me at the time, our anchor, some other reporters that we had that was able to use our teamwork and our talents to come together to bring an Emmy back for the station and for each other. That's wild. That's so cool. (laughs) Do you have an Emmy statue at your house, at your apartment? (laughs) I do. I do. I do. I do. (laughs) So fun. So back to yoga teaching, what do you think is missing in today's yoga teacher trainings? Yeah, well, a lot. 200 hours that you mentioned earlier is not enough for people to become safer and effective teachers. 200 hour teacher trainings really just touch the tip of the iceberg of what it takes to be a teacher. I don't think, well, depending on the yoga teacher training that you do, which I've done some surveys and a lot of them don't cover this. They don't cover enough alignment. They don't cover enough teaching to prenatal communities. Many of them don't cover teaching to disabled communities and disabled people practice yoga too. And yoga is for everyone. They don't cover trauma. They don't cover something as little as like finding your voice in the room. And that's something that I am finding industry wide, which is another reason why I have created this platform. I think becoming a yoga teacher is so much more than just check, I did 200 hours. If you are truly wanting to be a healer and in the wellness space, you have to realize that you have other people's bodies and their livelihoods in your hands. And that's something that I don't take lightly. And I don't think any yoga teacher should. So if you actually want to be in the industry and teach, you have to put in the extra effort and investment to learn more to keep people safe. And I just don't think that's currently happening with teacher training. Yeah. I mean, I did my 500 hours and still don't feel like I was prepared for much, really. (laughs) I mean, even just like some basic like anatomy. Like, I mean, I guess they taught it a little bit, but it didn't stick. Like I'm someone who's very alignment focused, so I can focus on muscle groups and like, you know, shoulders over elbows over wrists and not hyperextending, blah, blah, blah. But I still don't have a grasp on anatomy. And like, I think that's a really big fault. I mean, especially when you're becoming like a physical trainer, like anatomy is like your huge focus. And, you know, obviously with yoga, there's the spiritual aspect and there's the breath and, you know, you can go as spiritual about it as you want. Right. And I think by straddling both the spiritual vibe, if you will, and the alignment vibe, we didn't go deep enough into either. And I actually think that's an issue when either people go in one direction or the other, they either take out the spiritual aspect or the practice, and then it's just, you know, exercise, right? Or they take out the alignment part and people get hurt. And I think encompassing both those worlds is a really big challenge. And even in 500 hours, you know, I mean, you need to be studying yoga the rest of your life to be a good teacher. And I don't know how we're going to pay for all these trainings when we're making, you know, the amount of money we're making as a yoga teacher. That's a whole different conversation entirely. (laughs) Yeah, fair, fair, fair. That's maybe another episode. Anyways. (laughs) And then like, so now these yoga teacher trainings are online. So what is missing there? Oh, this is, yeah, something that I've been really concerned about for our industry. On the one hand, I think it is amazing that there are platforms and businesses who have created an opportunity for teacher trainings to be accessible at prices that a lot of people can pay. If you are not a yoga teacher listening to this, just so you know, teacher trainings are anywhere between $2,500 to like $3,000 to do. 
And now there are a lot of trainings which are a lot less than that. They're in the hundreds of dollars. And again, I think it's great that people are getting access to teacher trainings. What I think is not so great is again, you have people's bodies in your hands. And unless you're able to touch people and experiment with your cohort and actually teach in person, you are missing a huge element of what it takes to be a yoga teacher. And quite honestly, if you've done your 200 hour online and then are trying to teach after that without having knowledge of like touching bodies, that's really concerning to me personally. I don't think there's anything wrong with online education if you have done your initial training in person so that you have a baseline of like what it is like to teach. But with these teacher trainings coming out online, I'm really curious if people actually do want to teach or if they've just wanted to do a teacher training to deepen their own practice, which if you again are listening and you're not in the yoga space, a lot of people do. And that's great. I now am just waiting to see really what happens with the industry there. But I hope these teachers who are doing these trainings online realize how much it is going to take to be a teacher and go out and get the continuing education and not just continue online. Actually, when the world opens up, are able to take a training in person, are able to talk to other teachers, are able to touch students, are able to like see how they're supposed to properly adjust, all of those things. Yep, 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 yep. What do you think is the hardest part of being a yoga teacher? The hardest part of being a yoga teacher, I would say, after I finished my teacher training, not realizing how much effort it is to create a class, especially when you're new. It is not just you show up to a class and you just teach from the top of your head. Like not everybody can do that. And I was not one of those people. I had to spend at least two hours outside of my class, coming up with my playlist, coming up with my sequence, thinking of different ways people can get hurt in transition and practicing telling them how to get into a transition. So I think what people see in a yoga class and not actually realizing how much it takes to teach that yoga class, there, there is this disconnect. So for me, it's it's definitely the hours that it takes to even come up with just one hour of a class. Yeah. And not to mention the pay that maybe exists with all those hours. <laughs> yeah. You know, unfortunately for me, like I had a full-time job when I was teaching yoga. And that's not the case for everybody. Some people, this is their livelihood. And yoga teachers are struggling. And that's a whole other conversation in the industry of, yoga teachers actually getting paid their work and how much they've invested in themselves and how much, in many cases, healing they're bringing to others, it's not reflected in the pay. And I hope that is something that we're going to see change in this industry now with all the changes we're even seeing happening in the world. Totally. And a lot of these studios have switched to employee model, which has, you know, decreased pay at some places and we're paying taxes our taxes are being taken out of our paycheck. There's a lot of like behind the scenes business stuff too that's not talked about in a lot of these trainings. Like, you know, what is a 1099? And I have to pay, you know, 30% self-employed taxes and I need to get insurance and, you know, maybe be a registered business, all of these things. It's a lot. And, you know, not everyone makes the money to survive, especially in the Bay Area being a yoga teacher. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yes. Yes. So what has the pandemic changed about the yoga world? What I think it's changed for the yoga world in terms of teachers is it's given teachers an opportunity to essentially be their own small business owners. It's given them a glimpse of what studio owners have had to go through for so long of just even getting people to one class. And I think 
it's also given people an opportunity to get creative with their teaching and then think outside of the studio model and not have to rely on a studio for their following. And in many cases, they can't. If this is something that they want to do, they've been pushed to an edge to actually have to go out and do it. It may have been something that they'd wanted to do for a long time, but now it's something they can avoid, especially if that's their way to make an income. So I love that I'm seeing so much creativity coming from yoga teachers. I love the conversations that are happening with yoga teachers about pay, about studio models, about inclusivity, about needing more education. I truly love these conversations and think they needed personally to happen for a long time, but I'm so glad that they are happening now. Yeah. So what sort of creative things have you seen during the pandemic? Yeah. So I'm in a lot of groups on social media that have yoga teachers in it. I have seen yoga teachers teaching at weddings and being hired for that because in a socially distanced and safe way, of course, I have seen yoga teachers start their own essentially little studios and branding at parks and people are coming out in droves to those events. I have seen groups of people get together, like teachers even pairing up to come up with awesome different types of formats that we haven't seen in yoga before. And it really just excites me to see all of that. I love that. So do you think the studio model, do you think there's space for the studio after the pandemic? Do you think the studio model is dead? You know, I hope the studio model isn't dead completely. I hope the studio model that existed was dead. I think many studio spaces were a place of healing and a place for people to find community. And for that, I hope they stay around. But I have to be honest, and with the conversations that are happening with Black Lives Matter, I think industries have had to really take a hard look at themselves and the fitness and wellness space is no different. And although we quote yoga spaces as being healing and a place to build community, it's not like that for all. There are people from different races and experiences, ability, gender identities that have actually never felt that these were spaces of healing and places for them to find a community. They only went to them because that's what was available to them. And I think the studios and studio owners who are making an effort to change, to make their places more inclusive will thrive. And those who continue to operate in the old studio model setting, I think that they will find a decline in membership because these conversations that are happening, again, are ones that should have been happening for a long time and they were in certain communities. But now the world at large is having these conversations. And I think this is an opportunity for those studios to stick around by being a good part of history and changing for the better and really making wellness and fitness spaces inclusive for all and not just the majority. Yes. I get chills hearing you talk about that. I think there's a lot of abuse of power as we've seen, you know, with Bikram, Tabby Joyce, our local yoga to the people just came out with a lot of racism, sexual abuse, tax evasion. That was actually the teacher training that I did with yoga to the people. So all of this stuff is coming to the light. And I really hope that we can move past it because I know that a yoga studio space can be a beautiful haven for a lot of people, but mixed with all of these abuse of power and just toxicity is not the space that I want to be a part of. So I really do hope that we can create a space in the yoga world and beyond that feels a little bit more uh, just comforting and safe and special and really a place of the healing modality. Yeah. And 
for people who have never been involved in the yoga industry and then seeing all these stories come out, I hope that they don't get the idea that this is how the yoga industry is in general. These are groups of people who are abusing power. And yes, yoga spaces are healing, welcoming communities, and they can be. And I think it's up to us, the teachers, the studio owners that are in the space, to put in the effort to make these spaces actually what we know that they can be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of conversations are happening around what kind of beautiful spaces that we can create that are inclusive? What conversations have you heard? So I have been paying attention to what's happening in the yoga space. And I think, I think people and communities who have not felt welcome in the wellness space have been speaking about this for years and decades even. It's sad that it has to take all that is happening in the world for people to see it, but I'm so, so thankful that it is happening. I have seen people from the transgender community getting together to come up with new platforms to make wellness inclusive for their communities because a lot of them have been shut out in these general wellness spaces. I've seen a lot of yoga teachers who have actually switched their calling to doing anti-racist work and helping people in the wellness space understand what they're doing wrong and giving them ways to improve. And I think that is such a beautiful thing. Again, these have been talked about for the longest time, and a lot of people have had the privilege to ignore it. And with COVID, they can't ignore it. It's in their face, and there's no opportunity for them to run away. So they either have to get uncomfortable and do the work, and if you're in the yoga space and actually want to teach, you do need to get uncomfortable and do the work because you are supposed to be practicing ahimsa, which is non-harming. So putting the effort in to actually bring safety to people is really important. Cool. Well, all of that seems so amazing and chilling. And I have goosebumps right here. And I am so excited for our yoga future. I really am. This is stuff that I've personally been talking about for a little bit as well. And I just I'm hearing these little these little whispers of going in the right direction. And I think that is so powerful. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm in the same space. I've had to also step back and realize like things that I don't know and ways that I have maybe not felt people have not been able to make everybody feel inclusive in my classes. And I am learning with that. I'm putting the effort in to make sure that if I'm going to be dealing with people's bodies and their mental health, that I also have to do more learning. But I'm also at the same time kind of taking a step back from yoga and seeing what is going to happen. I'm really excited for the possibilities. And there's talks are happening. We haven't yet gotten to the action part of it. I think in like the smaller studios, we see like these bigger conglomerates hiring executives who are diversity, equity, inclusion focused. We see them finally hiring teachers of color from, you know, different backgrounds, but I want to see more action and I'm excited to see yoga moving into a better place so we can truly bring wellness to all. Yeah. Okay. I'm here for it. I'm ready. (laughs) Let's switch gears a little bit. We got all of that potent stuff out there first. And I want to like scale it back a little bit and talk a little bit more about more like implementable tips that yoga teachers and maybe service-based businesses can utilize to grow their platform and grow their following. So can you talk a little bit more about what is a personal brand And in what ways can yoga teachers and other service-based businesses capitalize on their personal brand in an authentic and savvy way? Yes. So 
I think people first need to think about what makes you, you. If you were a yoga teacher before, people came to your classes for a reason. It could have been your bomb playlist. It could have been just how welcoming you made people feel. It could have been the quotes that you gave. And all of these things are transferable to another platform. You're just going to have to put yourself out there more and you can't be under the veil of a studio. But the good news is you don't need the studio because people weren't coming to the studio for the studio. They were coming to your classes for you. So what I would say is come up with a list. What makes you you? What did people love about your classes? And if you don't know, ask people. If you have followers on social media, if you have contacts for people, your friends who have come to classes, ask them what made them want to come to your class. And from there, hone in on those reasons, hone in on those things that people liked. From there, of course, there's social media following. I would say start to get into groups with like-minded people. There's a lot of yoga business groups that are coming up, tons of groups on Facebook. There's a lot of creative groups that you can get into just to have start to have conversations with people. There's so much free information out there right now for branding and marketing. In fact, I did one with you recently <laughs> to help people get started on their personal brand. And this comes down to your personality. Branding is not something that you is some completely different from you. It's just an amplification of you. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I love that amplification of you. That's solid. So can I think there's sort of this wariness, if you will, of marketing and especially in the yoga teacher community, especially also in the artist community and some of these other sort of healing based service based businesses, healing based service based business, healing service, <laughs> healing businesses. There we go. <laughs> and there's I don't know where this happened. Somewhere along the way, we lost trust in marketing. And I get it. There's a lot of big brands lying with marketing. But I think there's room for authenticity in marketing. So how can you sell your services and remain authentic and true to yourself? I think people think marketing is just like sales and you're concerned about money. Really what marketing is, is speaking to a specific niche and telling them about what you do. That's really all marketing is. And you're speaking to them in an authentic way. And especially if it's yoga and it's you, you're not, you don't have a big brand behind you. There's no other thing that you can do but speak to people in an authentic way. So for example, if I am a yoga teacher who, I use this example a lot, but I know a lot of yoga teachers like this, who like swear in my classes and I really don't talk about like these flowery quotes. I'm very real. You continue to do that. That is how you authentically market yourself. You really are just being yourself. And if you don't like the term marketing, call it talking about yourself. I think there's just this connotation with the world marketing where people automatically balk at it, and especially yoga teachers, because they're like, no, well, we shouldn't do that. And yoga, yoga is spiritual. But think about all of these huge yoga brands that you know. You know about them because of marketing. It's not something that popped out of nowhere. There's a reason you're drawn to them and there will be a reason that people are drawn to you. So I would say, always be yourself and stop trying to like put yourself in this box of like comparing yourself to other yoga teachers because that's what they do and you do something completely different. So I would say, go back to your list and what makes you you and stick with it. It'll take you a little bit because marketing and branding takes a little bit to take shape and for you to get a following, but you will find your people. 
Only if you're authentic, though. Yes, yes, yes. So, okay, let's simplify it a little bit more. So, like, what are some tangible ways that can help yoga teachers fill their classes? Yes, I say this a lot, but you have to find your niche. When the world was open, there were tons of classes that were like, all levels yoga, powers yoga, all levels yoga. And you can't teach like that anymore, especially in this pandemic. You really have to niche down. So, for example, if you are somebody who has experience with older populations, that is a niche that you can focus on. There are very little people I see that are focusing on yoga for older populations right now. And older populations need yoga, just like everybody needs yoga. So if you are able to niche in that way and find out what's missing in any area of your expertise, I think that you can be successful. From there, you actually have to find those people. So go into Facebook groups that those people would go in. Start to follow certain people like this on Instagram. Start with the followers that you had. Ask questions to your followers. Hey, do you guys have parents or people that you know who are older who want to practice yoga? I would love to get in contact with them. I'm sure from there you could get a pretty good list together to even just start a following from there. But it all comes back down to finding your niche. You cannot say, I teach yoga and wellness for all. Because guess what? Everyone right now is trying to teach to all. And the ones that are being successful, the teachers that are successful right now are ones that have niched and found a specific audience. Yes. So I heard two things from you there that were really potent to me. One is find your niche. And two is like actually go after the people that you want. So, I mean, I think people are like, okay, I put up a website. I put up a Instagram. Everyone's going to come to me. I can just continue to post. But it doesn't work like that. So I think, yeah, hitting up your friends. Do you have parents? Or hitting up your friends like, hey, I'm teaching this class. Like using your DMs to actually outreach to people to build your list, I think is one of the most powerful things you can do instead of just like sitting inside your Instagram. I mean, I still do that when I'm trying to fill up our branding classes. I will DM people. I'm all about the DMs. Yes, the same is for me. I just finished a cohort of 10 new teachers who I was teaching branding and marketing to. And people think because I have this brand and a following that that's how they came. That's not how they came. I was in people's DMs for three weeks straight, constantly talking to people, having phone interviews with people. Guys, marketing and branding is a lot of work. It is not (laughs) just you put up a website and I build it and they come. That is not how it works. It takes a long time before you're able to build a following and then people start marketing for you, that word of mouth. If you have a good product, then that's when that happens. But that is not how it starts. It's a process. But if you are committed to it and stick to that process, you can find it to be lucrative. Yes, 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 yes. Love all of that so much. Okay, well, Keisha, this has been so fun talking to you. Can you let everyone know where they can find you? Of course. So you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Driven Yogi. My personal account on Instagram is Keisha.Courtney. You can also find me on Facebook at Keisha Courtney. And of course, on our website, TheDrivenYogi.com. And we'll put all that info in our podcast notes as well. Thank you so much, Keisha. It was so lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for what you're doing right now, Phoebe, and for the creative community. I think this is so needed. Thank you. Bye. Have a good one. Hey, makers, brands, and artists. Do you like free marketing? 
Do you like lifting your friends up? Are you constantly sharing brands on your Instagram, sharing your favorite products, and spreading the word about local makers? Well, there's an app for that. We at GGC are all about lifting each other up. We're also about systems. We're also about karma. These are things that we love. And we found an app that combines all of these things. And it's based on something called karmic marketing. And guess what? This system is free. Yes, free. It's called AmpJar. This is how it works. You shout out AmpJar brands that you love on your Insta, in your emails, and on your after checkout page. So in return, you build up karma credits. These credits are good for people to share your brand. So for instance, you post about three brands you love on your Insta stories then you will show up on the after checkout page automatically on brands you're matched with. Brands can shout you out on Instagram stories and emails as well. And it just spirals from there. It's like a pay it forward system. And here's the deal. The system is completely free if you shout out three brands a week. Free. Otherwise, you pay $22 a month. So you can just add this into your weekly tasks shouting out three brands a week, easy peasy, in your emails, on your Instagram stories. Or if you like a more evergreen approach, that means you don't have to do the work, simply add the AmpJar code into your after checkout page. And if you make three sales that week, you are golden because that means that you have shown a brand three times in the after checkout page. So after checkout page is great because your customers have already paid you. So you're not losing that sale or anything and customers have their wallet out and are ready to still buy and support. So you can pick the brands that you match with. So you wouldn't be working with a brand that is too similar or a completely different vibe. You have control over who you match with. So yes, AmpJar, free system to lift up your favorite brands. Or you can join for just 22 each month for more visibility. So head to bit.ly, so bit.ly slash ampjar, A-M-P-J-A-R. So bit.ly slash capital A-M-P-J-A-R, ampjar. And it looks like they're working on a little Girl Gang Craft badge so that you can make sure that you're shouting out other people from the Girl Gang Craft community. Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Gang Craft podcast. Head to girlgangcraft.com slash podcast for show notes and more. See you next time.